Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Booty and Barbeau. So glad to be along with you today. I'm Rachel Barbeau, and he is Josh Booty. How are you, Josh Booty? I'm doing great, Rach. I uh, appreciate you asking. How are you? I am fantastic. Um, I'm super excited. This is nothing to do with LSU other than the fact that they are changing the narrative school. Um, mm-hmm. And they have been incredibly, they, they've been amazing to me. And second only in terms of just um, proactiveness, uh, only to Minnesota. And this weekend I'm leaving actually tomorrow and I'm heading up to Minnesota to host uh the first, I believe, national game of of this wow. magnitude between Minnesota and Maryland. Josh, well, Minnesota's Baby, seven and zero. Really, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and LSU I mean, right? seven and zero. I mean, you're doing you're doing a heck of a job. <laughs> I like to think a little bit of uh, of my magic has run off on them, rubbed off on them. But we're we're hosting this game before we jump into LSU, mm-hmm. and we are the players, the coaches, um, myself have made videos. They've got shirts. We'll have helmet stickers. We'll have stuff during the awesome. game. We'll have social media, and it's really encouraging people to take off the mask and get real, to change the narrative, to stop smiling in people's face mm-hmm. and, and, and dying inside, to seek professional help. And, and, and really, Josh, and I, I know you can speak to this as an athlete, mm-hmm. uh, once an athlete, always an athlete, but we got to start focusing on mental health as much as we do our physical yeah, health. I agree. I think that's one of the things that the best programs in the country have in place. And I can remember back when I was at LSU in 99, we had Jerry DiNardo and we struggled as a team. He got fired. Saban came in and Saban knew there was a lot to clean up and there was a lot of stuff going on at the university. And he brought in uh, some some real some some really proven professional guys to come in and really dig deep into what had been going on with the program, you know, the the mental aspect of all the players, how they were thinking, especially with me because I was a quarterback at the time. And I spent a lot of time going through a lot of things with, uh, I guess, what Saban called was a shrink. Now, you know, this is this is totally 20 years ago. It's a long mm-hmm. time ago. But, you know, Saban knew that he had to get over a lot of the hurdles that were of the past. And I think a lot of these teams are starting to realize that off the field stuff is as important as on the field stuff. It's like the weight room is as important as the field, the off the field stuff and the issues that these kids have to deal with being away from home, being 19, 20, 21 year old kids and having to deal with all of life's issues. Right. And so you're doing a bang up job. I mean, awesome job for these kids and they need you more than ever before because of social media and everything that's out there for these kids. They're up against so much more than we were 20 years ago. So I commend you on the work that you do. You know that. And I'm so happy that you're getting to share your, you know, share your story and and really uh, minister to these kids in a lot of different ways. Well, Josh, here's and thank you so much. We've been together for for a long time now, working together and been friends for a long time. And, you know, it's interesting is when you played and we're going to get into LSU in just a moment. When you played, when when people on social media that are of a certain age played, you didn't have to face what these no. kids face. You had to wait for the post game on the radio or dare I say the, the newspaper to come mm-hmm. out the next day. But you didn't have to immediately pick up your phone and hear somebody call you a punk. Mm-mm. a loser worse saying <laughs> you should kill yourself yeah. burn your house down your team sucks you <laughs> suck then you got family family member i mean it, it, it's different now josh it and it weighs 
on them. Yeah, the internet has changed the game. There's no doubt. And they've changed it at every level, even at the high school level. I remember, you know, I used to see signs. You know, my last name is, is, is can be funny at times. And, you know, I used <laughs> to see signs in the bus going to the stadium, you know, and then you had to deal with the fans there. But there was nothing internet driven at all that would, you know, make me, you know, get upset or, you know, there was none of that. And now, uh, or cause problems. Now these kids that are 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, I mean, they're playing in front of thousands and thousands of fans, but there's so much that goes on off the field with the internet and things that, that they have to deal with on an everyday basis, you know, and it's like, there's, there, there is no private lives anymore. Everything's in the public eye. And it's like, you know, back in the days of Michael Jordan are so different than the days now with LeBron and all the guys and these professional athletes. I mean, it's just every single thing that they say is scrutinized. So they have to be super careful and not, and they got to be real aware of everything. And then also having to deal with that stuff away from home for the first time. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of these kids, uh, just issues that they've never dealt with. They've always had mama or daddy, their grandma there to help them. And, uh, their high school coach is like a big brother or like a dad to them. And then when they get away from home, man, there's just so much that can go on in a college atmosphere. Everybody's 21. They're out hanging out and drinking and doing the things that adults do. And sometimes they're not ready for that. All right. That's a perfect transition uh, to what I want to talk about and where I want to start. It does not feel like Joe Burrow is your typical college quarterback. I know he's a graduate transfer. I know that, uh, that he spends a lot of time. He takes online classes, a lot of time at the facility. Um, but, but he just feels mature beyond his years. We, we, we spend a lot of time on this podcast each week talking about him, but, but I, I'm, I'm seeing what on the season, I think just a couple of interceptions on the season, mm -hmm. three interceptions mm -hmm. on the season continues to break records, Josh Booty. And uh, it, he, he seems mature and wise beyond his years. He is. I mean, he's a fifth year senior. We, we talked about it a little bit last week. You know, he had three years at Ohio State under Urban Meyer, coached in an unbelievable atmosphere with Ryan Day there. Uh, of course, went against the scout team because he was a backup. But you go against the scout team every day of your life against Ohio State's number one defense as a backup, and you grow up fast, right? I mean, he and and he ran the offense that we're running now in high school and at Ohio State, and now he's a fifth year guy. He's he's an older guy than most everybody on the field, and he's a super competitive, super comfortable, super confident guy. I mean, I would be too if I'm. You know, I'm in my fifth year of college football. So I think that's the real difference in this game to just, I guess, just to bring up Auburn and, and LSU this week because Auburn's six and one. They're doing really well. We're seven and oh. We got them at home. But Bo Nix, the starting quarterback at Auburn, is a 19 year old true freshman. Yeah. We're starting a fifth year senior. And I think that's the, that's the real difference in this ballgame. I think we've got great players on the outside that can really help uh, Joe Burrow. We're a much better passing team. But Auburn's got great defense, probably the best defense in, in the SEC and the best we faced, especially up front. But I think that's the real difference. You nailed it right out the gate with Joe Burrow being the experienced guy that he is compared to maybe a Bo Nix on the road at Tiger Stadium in front of all our crazy fans and being 19. All right, before, I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing, first of all. I'm not going to gloss over Auburn and talk about Tua Tungavailoa. I'm not going to do that maybe till the <laughs> end of the podcast. But even before mm -hmm. we go to Auburn, I, you and I discussed it. We touched on it last week, Josh Booty. You know, I like calling you by your first and last name. It just rolls off the tongue there. <laughs> go right ahead. <laughs> um, not yeah. the, no, you're, I'm not the first to tell you that. I know that for a fact. Um, <laughs> but I have heard it talked about on more of a national mm -hmm. forum 
uh, working for Sirius that maybe, 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 maybe it's just not a great marriage between Joe Moorhead and Mississippi State. And maybe uh, it is, I, I heard... Um, New Heisel and Childers talking about it the other day on on their ride on, on their show on Full Ride, talking about maybe he needs to get out ahead and take that Rutgers job where geographically yeah. he fits more and do it before they yeah. get too restless where it seems like it's his idea. Thoughts on that and how yeah. LSU played versus Mississippi State? Yeah, you know, Moorhead, he, he, when you come down to the South, you better be able to recruit the South. You better be able to hang out with the people of the South, the high school coaches, the culture. It's so different than the North, right? And and most all his success has been in the Northeast, and that would seem like it would be a great fit for him at Rutgers because you're right there in New Jersey. You're right in the Northeast. He's, he's recruited that that area, that region uh, for probably most of his, his, his career as a coach or an assistant coach. And he's had a lot of success up there. You know, I mean, a lot of success in state, and we talk about that a lot, but many had Saquon Barkley, the best, mm-hmm. maybe the best running back in, 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 in the world today. I mean, so, I mean, you're going to have success with good players. you got to be able to recruit good players. I don't know how well he's going to recruit at Mississippi State. I know Mississippi State in the past, they've gone and got a lot of JUCO guys. I mean, that's kind of – you know, how they built their teams, even back 20 years ago with Jackie Sherrill, and they built some of the best defenses in NCAA football. It was based on, you know, they would handpick some guys in their state, they would get them, and then they'd go get a bunch of JUCO guys that kind of solidify their team, give them experience, depth, older players, and then they 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 play with those guys. I think now, right now, people don't really know what they're going to get with Moorhead. So at Mississippi State, uh, you know, he could he, – he, he could, you know, it could be a better fit for him to leave, but I don't know. You know, I think, I think he's a, a, a pretty good football coach. It's just yes, he needs his yes. time to get his players in there and, and run his – I mean, they're running the spread. Uh, and so he's got to get his guys in there. we got to give him a chance. Yeah. No, and listen, I I, uh, I totally agree with you. I like Joe Moorhead. I, I don't think he forgot how to coach by any means, but that's the national narrative um, that maybe mm-hmm. it, it, he just might be a better fit elsewhere sometimes guys just aren't fits yeah. at programs you know it has nothing to do oh, with necessarily 100%. right of who they are they're just not think a great about fit. nick saban i mean yeah. yeah nick saban went to the nfl at miami it, it wasn't a good fit the dolphins nick saban nah that does not a great fit so i mean even the greatest of the greatest of the greatest sometimes you know it's a better fit in some places uh than others and and you know yeah i don't know how well he's going to do at mississippi state because they're they're fighting an uphill battle there's no doubt with alabama being as good as they are with us being as good as we are with a and m and jimbo fisher in a long-term deal uh with auburn and gus malzahn who seem to be playing a, a great football right now i mean it's a it's an uphill battle for mississippi state because they've got to They've got to play those guys in the SEC West. We caught the gauntlet every year in, year out, mm-hmm. and that, that's not an easy task. So if Mississippi State can uh, get it going at all, I mean, that would just be that'd – be, that's huge for that university because they're, they're not considered a football traditional power like some of the others that I mentioned. So, you know, LSU last week went on the road. Uh, we got a 36-13 to 13 win. I thought our defense played pretty good. It was kind of a bend-don't-break. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made some great plays uh, on the outside. Our receivers, a receiver group did a wonderful job. Burrow was mistake-free, four touchdowns over 300 yards passing. We used the tight end. Uh, Thaddeus Moss had a couple mm-hmm. big plays. Uh, I love the play of our, our tailback, um, Clyde Hilaire. He is playing awesome. He's perfect for that position. We rushed. He rushed for close to 100 yards. So, you know, total game, uh, I, I would give it a probably a B. You know, it wasn't an A+. plus. We didn't score 50 and shut him down, but – 
I, I think we did everything that we needed to do to take care of business after that huge win uh, two weeks ago to kind of, you know, to get back in, in the saddle on Saturday and, 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 and do some good things. Now, you know, everybody thought that could be a trap game because of this game against Auburn and it wasn't, we, we handled our business. Uh, but Auburn <laughs> and Gus Malzahn is loving. And again, it ties into everything that we talked about with social media and the narrative and radio and da -da -da in your face and Twitter and all those things, Snapchat and Instagram mm -hmm. and all those things. But the, the narrative is LSU and Tua and Mac, Mac Jones and, and, and he looked like a deer in the headlights and, and, and will he be back for LSU? But, but you know what that does? That gives Gus Malzahn the opportunity to say, they're not even talking about you. They're having a mm -hmm. magical season. They're, the <laughs> national people aren't even talking about you. See, see the disrespect, see Auburn players. Yep. And if there was a trap game, uh, I, I really feel like this LSU team is super mature, not just because I've been around them and I know mm -hmm. them. I, I always say this, and you know, you and I talk about this offense, defense, special teams, and head games. I think they are doing very well in the mm -hmm. psychology department. Coach O started that mm -hmm. last year, the kind of us against the world. And, you know, hey, listen, we're going to, you know, bust people's, you know, idea of us and their expectations of us. But certainly uh, people moving on already to the LSU Alabama game plays well into Gus Malzahn's hands. I agree. From uh, Auburn's perspective, it's a chance for them to kind of fly under the radar. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, LSU's a 12 and a half point favorite in this game. So, you know, even the fan, our, our fans are thinking, you know what, they're all glued to, you know, what what's happening at Alabama with Tua. Can he get healthy in three weeks? We go there, of course, after the bye week. Uh, and, and and every year, you know, Alabama has a bye week in front of us as well. So, <laughs> right. you know, it gives a chance for both teams to prepare for two weeks. But this game is, is big. I'm telling you, I think uh, one of the greatest creators of, of play calling and one of the best game day play callers – we talked about Mullen two weeks ago. Gus Malzahn is so good. I think he might be the best game day caller in the SEC, which is which is crazy to say because there's some great ones out there. But I'm telling you, not only is he a great guy, but he's an unbelievable play caller. And I like that he uh, over you know took back the play calling duties because he's back to himself. And it seems like Auburn's starting to do some really good things. They scored 51 against Arkansas last week. They had over 490 yards of offense. But mm -hmm. you know they got this 19 year old and they're but they're putting up numbers and they're six and one. So how can you say that they aren't a uh, you know a, a legitimate contender in the SEC West? And this has always been a great rivalry game. They've we beat them the last two games. We beat them. They were ahead of us 20 to nothing two years ago at Auburn. We come back and win 27-23. And then last year, we kicked a, a walk-off field goal with no time left on the clock, beat them 22 to 21. So, I mean, we were playing great games against Auburn year in, year out. It has been like that forever. I don't think that this thing's going to be any different. If Auburn can keep the ball away from us, they should be okay. What about, I've been seeing some reporting on it. What do you do after the noise is such a big issue for you at the swamp and you're, excuse me, in the, in, down in mm -hmm. the swamp and you're going mm -hmm. to the swamp, you're going to the bayou. Yeah. I mean, you think Another Tiger swamp. Stadium, <laughs> right? You think Tiger Stadium is going to be any less loud? No. Oh, no. You know, it, it, the fans get louder as the season goes on when we're winning. I mean, you know, we haven't lost. We, you know, you circle 
you circle these games on your schedule before the season even starts, knowing, okay, we'll be 7-0 and when Auburn comes to town. You know, we were going to be 5-0 and when Florida comes to town. And hopefully we go to Bama and we're 8-0. I mean, you start looking and thinking about these things. And so these fans are just bubbling at the seams, you know. I mean, bursting at the seams with, okay, we get Auburn at the house. We're going to be as loud as we were against Florida. You know, and then Nix comes out and says, you know what, I've handled crowds like this before. You know, I handled Cowboys Stadium. That was a neutral site. That's not Tiger Stadium. So I promise you the fans are going to be super jacked up to get in his eardrum. And then, you know, for him, it's just staying out of those third long, uh, third and long down and distance situations because that's when the crowd gets loud. you got to go silent cow. You're in the gun a lot of times. The LSU can pin their ears back, get off the ball a little quicker. So I'm, the key to the whole game for me is, is you know, is can Auburn – get Bo Nix in decent situations and not be in third and long all day because if he's in third and long with that crowd, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be – I don't envy that position, you know. So that, I think that's a real key to the ball game is if they can if they can churn out some yards on the ground so he doesn't have to be in third and long with that crowd noise. Uh, apparently, uh, Nick said after the Arkansas game that the offense could do less checks at the line of scrimmage at LSU. Trying, They're trying to eliminate some of that pre-snap communication that kind of rocking crowd noise that makes uh, makes it so difficult. And then Malzahn said those adjustments have been one of Auburn's focuses ever since that loss. Auburn hit a bye week, yeah. uh, hit a bye the week after that, uh, that one before kicking off the second half of the season with a 51 to 10 win, as you mentioned, over Arkansas last Saturday. So he's gone on the record and said, we didn't handle the noise very good at Auburn, or excuse me, versus against Florida. Uh, duh. Uh, Malzahn yeah. said we've been focused on that in the off week and then even last week. So really expecting our guys to handle the noise better and communicate better than we did at Florida. Um, how, what do you do? Do you pipe in music? Yeah. Like what do you, what do you do mid season to try to fix that? Yeah. You know, the experience that they gained at Florida is very valuable because there's a lot of coaching points that come away from that game. So even though they lost that game on the road at the swamp, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, there's a lot of learning. There's a learning curve, right? Especially with a 19-year-old quarterback. And I keep I keep talking about Bo Nix, but you know, there's a lot to be learned from a situation like that. So they can go back and fix some of those communications and details. What they got to do is practice them too, though. So you can correct them, you can hear and learn from them. But do you really learn from them? So you have to go back into a practice setting and repeat those mistakes that you had again, and make sure you go over those things, especially in this week, all week. You know, they're going to be going. With the, like you mentioned, with that crowd noise, with that music piped in the entire practice, so they, that they have to communicate with their hands. He's got to go maybe over to the hash, and you've got to tell, you know, in a two minute drill, you've got to tell your receivers exactly what to do. There's hand signals, there's all types of things. There's clapping when you talk about, you know, uh, when you talk about the snap counts and different things that you can do with your with your hands to draw the defense to show their hand a little early. There's all kind of different ways. And Malzahn's super crafty, and I promise you, he's got some things for Bo that can really help him. It's just if Bo can utilize those in, in game situations. Sometimes when you're young and the game is, you know, that loud and the game's moving fast for you, you won't sit back and, and relax and think about what you were coached, you know, and then the game gets speeds up. So I think, again, that's the real difference is we've got them at home and that's a huge advantage when you're talking about a team that has such a young quarterback. Uh, I got my Heisman, my first Heisman email as I vote for the Heisman. I got mm-hmm. it uh, just before we started this podcast and news uh, uh, from some outlets, from some prognosticators that actually Joe Burrow has uh, has moved past Jalen Hurts in uh, as a front runner 
uh, for the Heisman, regardless to me if it's uh, if it's Jalen, if it's Tua, and or excuse me, and if it's or it's Joe, uh, Joe Burrow and Jalen, I think will definitely be there. I don't know with Tua with the ankle, and now I don't know with Wisconsin going down as well what that does to their running back. But it seems to me that these two, Jalen mm-hmm. and Joe, will definitely be in New York. Yeah, it seemed like that. You know, that Alabama game is going to be huge. Every game's huge at this point in the season for these guys. I mean, yep. Justin Fields is having a great year, and they get Wisconsin, and they're the top-ranked defense in the country, and they're hungry because they lost last week uh, to Illinois. And so, you know, that it, it, the, the, some of these games are going to start eliminating these guys, but I think you're right. I think Hurts and Burrow – and and Fields and Tua mm-hmm. are in a four horse race. I think you know if Tua is out for several weeks and it does or doesn't play well when he comes back because he's going to be slowed. There's no doubt about it. He's not going to be at 100 percent in three weeks. There's just no way physically. It's physically impossible. And uh, you know so if he doesn't play well against LSU, Burrow lights it up. Burrow's going to go just flying up the the uh, the Heisman charts for sure. I mean, uh, people yeah. are already saying he he is the front runner in a lot of different publications. He's averaging 80% completion percentage Ooh. and he's played. He's, he's, he's beat some really good teams. I mean, we, we beat Texas. Uh, we beat Florida. Uh, this game's huge because I think it's the best defense that we're going to face uh, maybe all year. And then we get Alabama in two weeks. So a lot can be decided really this game and uh, in the Bama game in two weeks because of uh, Tua's injury. So I, I, I Hertz is having yeah. an unbelievable year. I don't see anybody stopping him. So Burrow's going to have to keep up. Last question to you. The matchup for me is LSU's offensive line and Auburn's monster, monster, monster defensive mm-hmm. front, one of the best in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me about that matchup, what you see, Josh. Ooh, yeah, I think the defensive line, you nailed it. The defensive line for the Tigers or Auburn is very disruptive. They're big and physical. Uh, I mean, they, they what they do is they beat you with four guys, and so it allows Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator, to do a lot of games and play a lot of games over the top. They'll play a lot of cover, too. And uh, so that helps them in the pass game with pass defense because their front four is so good at getting to the quarterback. So if, if the front four, which is Derek Brown, he's LSU recruited these guys. So yep. Ed Orgeron knows these guys really well. Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson. Marlon Davidson was three-time SEC Defensive Player of the Week already this year. And Derek Brown is supposed to be a higher draft pick than him, probably a top 10 pick, maybe the best defensive line in, in all of the SEC and maybe all of the country. Uh, uh, you know, he's such a phenomenal player, but these guys get after the quarterback. They play hungry and uh, you know, they can stop the run and then they can play with those front four and then they can play games on the back end. I think that's what gives them a real advantage on defense is that they're so strong up front, but it's a perfect, it's, you know, it, it, it's perfect for Kevin Steele because he can rush front four. If, if, if they're not able to get to our quarterback and, our, and to Joe Burrow and our line does a good job, then they got to start bringing uh, safeties down. They start blitzing linebackers, and then they become susceptible to big plays in the pass game, and that's where Joe Burrow has hurt other teams. And so it is going to be a physical game up front, and uh, I, I think our offensive line is ready for the challenge. More great football ahead like this podcast. You can uh, drop a comment. You can actually, uh, you can uh, rate it. You can give us five stars. And the best thing you can do is share it, share it, share it. If you love us, if you like us, or even if you hate us, you can you can love to hate us. Yeah, some, one love. of those things. Uh, for Josh Booty, I'm Rachel Bargo. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Have a wonderful football weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.